When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Terrio Media. Hello, I am Matt Terrio of the Epic Real Estate Investing Show, and this is Thought Leader Thursday. And today I'm joined by a seasoned real estate investor, entrepreneur, and founder of Think Multifamily. He started his real estate career over 20 years ago and has extensive experience in property valuation, acquisition, and operations. He has a passion for helping others succeed in the multifamily arena as well. And he's invested in over 1,200 units and has a top-notch reputation among the multifamily investment community for providing exceptional value to investors and the community while being very easy to work with. So we like those types of people here. So please That's good. To the show, Mark Kenny. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Yeah, glad you're here. Hey, before we get into multifamily investing, what were you doing just prior to getting involved in real estate? For larger properties, I was doing IT consulting, but I actually started buying originally right when I was getting out of college, smaller two, three, four unit properties. So I was pretty much a a student. So what was the actual inspiration that had you choose real estate other than IT for a career path or something else? Well, I kind of, I was doing pretty well with IT. I ended up starting my own IT company in 2008, had some pretty big customers like Marathon Oil and T-Mobile and had projects kind of all over the world, Mm -hmm. but uh, slept, slept about three hours a night and had no time for family. And it caused a lot of issues uh, more marriage-wise because of that. So I had to make a choice to either keep doing what I'm doing or try to start buying larger properties and try to replace my income and have a, a better family life. When did you realize or what caused you to realize what inspired you to pursue multifamily? I mean, with so many different options inside of the real estate arena, what made you choose multifamily? When did you decide that was going to be your thing? When I first started buying, I was like 21, 22 I really didn't know much of it. You know, it was years and years ago and it was, you know, self-storage didn't really, wasn't very popular, especially in our town at all. Cause you're talking 20, 25 years ago almost now mm-hmm. and really didn't know about, you know, some of the other asset classes like uh, assisted living, things like that. So to me, it made sense because we lived in places, we rented places and, and everyone needs a place to live. Not everybody needs a storage unit. Not everybody needs assisted living. Mm-hmm. Um, but with, unless you live on the streets, you need a place to live. The multifamily that was because it, it served the most people. Yeah. It served most people. And it's, it's kind of a, it's one of those things you can't go without. We all need a roof. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. A, an argument online, that's which right. I, I fell a sucker to just the other day. And he was ar- arguing with me about how crypto was going to take over real estate. And I was <clears throat> I was like, well, I can't live in a you, cryptocurrency. You can't, you, can't, you can't eat it. You can't drink it. Yeah, um, exactly. I'm not saying people can't make good money with it because they can. But at the end of the day, I look at it. If people want to actually really have something when hard times come tough, you can place to live, whiskey and ammo. And you're probably probably pretty good for bartering. <laughs> <laughs> you must have been talking to Mitch Stevens. As someone's getting started, because you know we don't do a lot of multifamily conversation here. So I'm really glad that you're here to talk about this because sure. I'd rather have someone much smarter than me about it address the audience. Um, when someone decides to go in and get involved in real estate or in multifamily, what's the biggest mistake you see people 
make right in the beginning. Not getting educated enough up front, thinking mm-hmm. they can do it all on their own. Mm-hmm. I did it on my own initially and made mistakes and a lot of hard lessons learned. Mm-hmm. And I think when people, you know, just think, well, maybe you're a smart guy, you can figure it out. End of the day, if you have, you know, I use examples of like the UFC a lot. So, you know, someone's reading books for a while, how to fight, someone's actually training how to fight. The person training how to fight more times than not is going to beat the guy that's reading a book, right? So that experience is invaluable to me. You know, been through it, lived through mistakes, lived through some tough times, and how how do you deal with that? Mm-hmm. You know, I've uh, had a, a, over over a hundred single family houses, wow, and cool. uh, I decided, okay, it's time to go into multifamily, and I sure. started with a, with a forty unit building that I was going to completely rehab, and I said, well, how difficult could it be? It's just forty doors all underneath one roof, and <laughs> They are very different animals. I, I quickly learned that. They are. Totally. All right. So how should it be approached? Someone says, okay, I'm ready to make that transition. Um, I mean, education, yes. And maybe I think partner. I don't know, but how yeah. would you recommend someone get started? I think finding a partner has done it before. Mm-hmm. We still partner on deals. We don't have to. From a skill set perspective, we still decide to partner with people. It makes it, you know, you can share different uh, skill sets. Maybe someone's better than at a, a different area than I am. And maybe I'm better than them in something. So I think really finding a partner to team up with. Um, and then, you know, I would also say don't, don't go small necessarily. I mean, there's no reason necessarily to start small unless there's a, you want to, right? Mm-hmm. We have people in our group that will start with an 80 unit or three, you know, a guy actually last year did a 321 unit his first year. So it can be done. It's just, um, it's that confidence builder that yes, if we find a deal, we can close on it. Finding someone that's experienced and go along for the ride, so to speak. Right. And that would be a good starting point. What's one thing that you wish you knew when getting started? Plan for the worst, pray that never happens, but put every single thing in writing, no matter how small it is. True. And engage those attorneys. Don't, don't try to skimp and have someone that's not an attorney put the documents together but account for everything. You know, for example, I have properties I wanted to sell before can't sell them because partner doesn't want to sell them. I don't have a tag along clause in there. Mm-hmm. Well, that's my, my, that's my fault. Right. So there's so many things we've learned and we've accounted for in all our agreements now that, you know, account for almost every single thing that we think could go wrong. Mm-hmm. And everything's fine when it's fine until there's money involved or money lost. And then that's when people's true character comes out. There's a lot of people out there that, uh, that teach multifamily and talk about multifamily and advocates of multifamily. There's countless books on it. Is there a piece of bad advice out there that you see or hear frequently that you just kind of cringe when you hear it? I think when people say it's easy, you know, um, when, a, when a guru stands up there and acts like everything's always perfect, nothing ever goes wrong, it's not reality. Things do go wrong, you're buying a business. So to give people this misconception that everything's always perfect all the time, it's not. Um, so that's probably the one I don't know if it's advice or not, but the the one approach people have when they're when they say it's easy. Yeah. yeah. Anybody can do it. Well, anyone can do it, provided they're they're you know capable of doing it and have the drive and desire. We look at hundreds of deals, you know, before we get deals. So it's not like you just go out and buy a deal. We might look at a hundred deals before we get one. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of work involved. Right. Uh, so you look at a hundred deals. How how do those hundred deals find their way to you? Uh, typically for us, we have a lot of good relationships with brokers we've bought from in different areas. We also get some deals sent to us from some of the mortgage brokers, mm-hmm. uh, property management companies, um, and the people we just know in the in the market. 
Mm-hmm. We don't do necessarily, we don't do actually at all any of the mark, direct marketing campaigns or anything. I'm not saying anything's wrong with it. It's just not something we've gotten into, but it's all been more through relationships of other, you know, mortgage brokers, mortgage brokers, property management companies, and, and selling brokers mm-hmm. for us. So relationships, right? It is for sure. So one thing that, you know, is very much a part of my world inside of single family homes is we do a lot of direct to seller marketing. Right. We're looking for that distress. We can solve their issue. And this is a fair trade and it works really well. Right. If, but for the most part, if for a single family or a, a house guy that's out there investing to go with relationships, to go with brokers and stuff like that, you run into a lot of people that want to sell, not necessarily the people that need to sell. And it's a little bit more difficult, even if you have good relationships to find a deal there with any sort of equity spread or any sort of return. Right. Uh, how does that differ going through brokers, say for multifamily? How do you, how do you find good deals or what are, what are some indicators of good deals? Yeah. I mean, a lot of the brokers we work with kind of know what our criteria is or we're looking for. For us, we typically look for a deal that has some sort of value add component like most people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best in my mind is when you have a management company that's messing things up. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's usually pretty easy to fix. Um, and then, we try to look for deals that have some sort of cash flow component to them up front. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we look for real, true, true value add deals. But I think with the market right now and where the cap rates are so compressed, I think this speculation that you know things will keep going up and up, great if it does. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather be in a position where the cash flow is there and we can ride out the wave because end of the day, you know the cap rate only impacts a sale mm-hmm. or purchase. Right? It doesn't impact my cash flow. Mm-hmm. That's a refi, right? But at the end of the day, I think the cash flow is really, so we talk to brokers, they know what we're looking for. Um, then it's, it's a lot easier for us to weed through those deals rather than going through every single deal they send to us. I don't have time to do that. Is it fair to say and, and that the uh, the big distinction there is, say with single family, and, and obviously there's some great overlapping area there, but with single family, you're more of kind of looking for the, the equity and the profit that already exists and inside right. of multifamily, you're looking more for the potential. I think one of the biggest difference between single family and multifamily, just the way the property is valued. You know, I can, I could buy a single family home and probably put gold through on the floors and countertops and everything. At the end of the day, they're going to say, what's the comp next door and down the street? Right. It's, it's, it's limited, right? Mm-hmm. With multifamily, I can go in and improve the property either by increasing, you know, the rent revenue and or decreasing the expenses. Mm-hmm. Well, for every dollar, I can do that for, you know, it's at least $10 of value because of the way you're buying a business, right? And without going to all the details, but that's the way it works with the cap rate. So every dollar I increase the value of the property, I can increase the value by, you know, 10 to $16 for every dollar. That's the difference between single family. Well, on the, on the flip side, we still have plenty of people out there invent, choosing single family over apartments. Oh, what yeah. would you say is the advantage inside of single family that doesn't exist in oh. multi I think it's um, easier to uh, sell mm-hmm. for one, maybe not right now, but typically easier to sell. I think, um, you know, it's a little easier to, if you want to self-manage, have more control over it. And in some areas, I mean, you know, you can buy something and actually really have the appreciation go really high. Like I live in Dallas and it's, it's done really well, but I think the cost of entry is much lower. Mm-hmm. Really. Um, and I mean, a lot, sometimes though you'll have recourse notes and things like that where multifamily you don't. But I do think uh, there's, it's attractive to people because you can relate to it. They live in a house. They can easily relate to, I can have somebody else live in a house. Nothing wrong with it. 
We did it. Like you said, you have a hundred homes. That's pretty, it's, it's tough to get to a hundred homes. Right. You know, generally speaking. Um, so you go slower, but you also don't necessarily have as many people involved. We buy multifamily, you know, we're, we're inheriting things like issues at the property from if there was a fire before, that's not my problem is a new buyer. It's my problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to inherit some contracts for laundry contracts sometimes, or, you know, cable contracts. So it's, it's more complicated. Um, for multifamily, not hard. Mm-hmm. It is more complicated. So single family is still is still good for sure. Yeah, totally. No, I, I think that yeah. there's room for both in someone's portfolio, and it's just personal preference when it comes down to it. It is right. It is. Super. Well, thanks, Mark, for for joining us. If someone wanted to get in contact with you or, or learn more about what what you do and and how you do it, what would be the best way for them to do that? Uh, our website is thinkmultifamily.com. And then my email address is mark, M-A-R-K, at thinkmultifamily.com. Super. That's pretty darn easy. <laughs> easy. Easy enough. Great. Well, thanks for being here, Mark. It was a pleasure. And uh, we'll do it again. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. You bet. All right. Take that's care. it here at the Epic Real Estate Investing Show. And I'll see you next week for another episode of Thought Leader Thursday. Take care. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.